Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you've given us this chance to be together today. We give you thanks for children in our midst, uh, the lessons they are learning and the lessons they teach us about giving of ourselves to you and uh, finding joy in life. We give you thanks, too, for your word, which greets us and gathers us and sustains us in this moment. And we pray now that as we give ourselves to this moment of preaching, that our hearts and our minds would be open to the movements of your spirit, that we might follow where you lead, and that we might do the things, the work, the words, the actions that you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the rock and roll anthem, Won't Get Fooled Again, the Who's Roger Daltrey laments or confesses or admits in the final line, met the new boss, same as the old boss. It's one of rock and roll's great closing lines, right? Uh, it's from that song written in 1971, and it's ostensibly about the politics of the age. Uh, uh, Pete Townsend wrote that song, and he's kind of looking at some of the, the more radical movements going on in England and in the U.S., and, and he's kind of uh, uh, needling them or pointing them to say, you know, just because you got a new guy in charge doesn't going to be, mean he's going to be any different than the old guy in charge, Right? And while that's about politics, that same lesson, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, uh, it plays out in many areas and corners of life, right? From the grand epic scope of history, but also to our own personal lives, our own personal behavior. Uh, Yes, we can learn history and find patterns in history that repeat themselves over and over again. But we can also see the same things in our own lives, can't we? We find ourselves in a new situation, but falling back into old habits of mind or action and behavior. We meet the new boss and find that it's a whole lot like the old boss who once got us, who once put us in trouble. Interestingly enough, when I sat down Monday morning to read the scriptures for this week and read the story of Abram, later who would be called Abraham in the scripture, I immediately thought of that line from The Who. And that's strange, so I don't listen to a whole lot of The Who. But I, I knew that song and I knew that lyric, and it immediately came to mind. Because that's a dynamic at play in this story that, that we've read this morning, this passage that we've read today, Genesis chapter 12, that we often don't see. Because we have a temptation when we encounter this story, we call, oh, chapter 12, that's the call of Abram. God's voice rings out, go where I send you. Abram says, yes, I'll go, and that changes everything, right? But when we dig into the story a little bit more, the passages that come before chapter 12 and what comes after, we realize that there's something more complex going on here. You see, already, well before what we see here as the call of God, this man named Abram has already lived through an epic change of life, one, of, uh, one that would have been deserving of its own great epic tale. We're told that his family came from a place named Ur, and they traveled to a place named Haran. And you might be thinking, what on earth do these places have to mean? Uh, what, I don't know anything about Ur or Haran or ancient Mesopotamia. I put that long behind me in, in middle school history class, right? 
But there is something significant. And we do know something significant about those places and the people who lived there and the worldview that shaped them. We know that Ur and Haran were sister cities dedicated to the moon, dedicated to the the, the divine movements of the moon. And that says a whole lot about the worldview of that age, the cyclical rhythms of the moon waxing and waning, the rhythms of life, of life and death, of the seasons of spring and fall, of winter, of summer. That cyclical nature of life seems to have been a key part of the worldview of the world itself into which Abram was born. But anyway, there, some, for some reason, we're told that Abram's, fam, Abram's father picked up the whole family, this whole entourage, and they traveled this great distance from Ur in the east, to Haran in the West. If it helps you think of it as like some great tale that John Steinbeck would tell, right? This is the great westward migration of a people experiencing life. And you could kind of uh, fill in that story with what they saw and the people they met along the way. This is an epic in its own journey, right? Even uh, Thomas Cahill, uh, the, the author of a wonderful series of, of, of great moments, The Hinges of History is the name of that series. Uh, he talks about Ur, Ur and uh, the relationship between Ur and Iran being like the relationship between New York City and San Francisco, right? They're on opposite coasts, but, but they have a, a, a lot in common, similar worldviews for sure. So this great journey takes place. And guess what? Abram and his family find that in this new place, far, far away from where they came from, so much is still the same. Now, for them, that works out. They know, they function very well in that worldview. They obtain riches. They obtain wealth. Things are going pretty well for Abram. He knows how to work that, uh, that, that cyclical uh, life. It's working out for him well. But maybe not so well that it satisfies everything within him. Because when this strange voice of God calls out to him, Abram is ready and willing to listen. The the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's one of the iconic promises of Scripture. We cling to that and refer to that often throughout our our spiritual lives. That that a a promise was made uh, to that man named Abram, realized through his faith, his willingness to say, yes, I will go. And that as he was blessed, we participate in that blessing. And as we understand the blessings that we receive, we, like Abram, are also empowered or made agents of of blessing and grace in this world. Here, who will go? Who will I send? Says the Lord. And Abram says, I'll go. You can send me. 
And of course, the story from there goes on. It's, it, it's a tale unlike any other. But it, we would be wrong to think that from that moment, Abram just goes and is just this pillar of virtue and, and kindness and faithful obedience. We know that's not the story. There's still a lot of changes that has to have to go on in his heart. A lot of, uh, a, a lot of old habits have to be left behind. But as I've sat with that this week and as I've thought about it and I think about what it means to be called by God and what it means for God to have a, a plan for us or want to move us into a new direction, I think we've even got to go more simple than that. I think we have to ask ourselves, do we still believe that God calls us? Not, oh, God is calling me, I'm ready to go. But are we even in a, 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 a disposition of heart and mind to, to listen or to be open to the reality that God might be calling us to leave some of those old habits, to leave the old boss who's, or the new boss who's a whole lot like the old boss, to leave that whole situation behind and go on to something new, the place and the people that God will show us, the, the, the quality of life that God will make possible to us. That's what go, that's going on with Nicodemus as well, right? In that great story of his uh, late night encounter with Jesus. Uh, the, the, you know, there's, there's a, a verbal sparring match going on between these uh, two uh, intelligent, uh, verbally crafty individuals, Jesus and Nicodemus. But at its heart, you see Jesus pushing him, pushing Nicodemus, inviting Nicodemus to understand that there's something new going on. That whole talk about the spirit moving, moving. you don't know where the wind blows, where it comes from or where it, where it goes. So much like the spirit's movements in our lives. Do we still believe that God calls us? Do we still believe that the spirit moves within us and among us? As we continue this journey of Lent, I leave that before you today. How do we open our hearts? How do we open our minds? How do we open our lives to the call of God, to the movements of God's spirit? Something so simple and basic to the life of faith, uh, we're reminded, is just totally foreign to so much of what goes on in this world. Or maybe more like those ancient Mesopotamians than we ever wanted to admit. But, but it's also our testimony as people of faith, as people who at some point, in some measure, have heard that call or have, have, have felt that nudge of the Spirit and who have said, yes, there is something there. There's, there's more going on there than, 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 than I'm able to muster up on my own. There's, there's a, a better vision of what life can be than the one that I've made on my own. There's, there's, there's something in this talk about God and this vision of holiness and this, this different way of relating to one another with, with love and with mercy and with forgiveness. At some point in our life, those of us who have said, yes, I do believe that. I do hold on to that. That does mean something to me. 
then we're called to live our lives in a way that bears witness to that, that shines with what that can be. You don't have to have it all figured out. Abram, the one we lift up, was so far from having it figured out. Nicodemus probably went home that night from talking to Jesus wondering, what just happened? What was that guy talking about, right? You don't have to have it all figured out. But it is our, the witness of our faith that says, if you know just enough to take one step with faith, you might learn enough to take a second step in faith. And then you might start walking with greater confidence. You might start being able to go greater distances than you thought possible. You might find yourself becoming more loving and more able to forgive than you ever thought that you could be. You might find yourself being able to, 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 to access a, a, an inner strength that you never thought you were capable of accessing, that you never knew you had it in you. But with God's help, you do. And as you take those steps and as you gain that, gain that confidence, as you travel further and further distances, then that journey that Abram began so long ago might become your journey too, might become our journey as well. It's the journey of discovering that we are blessed, that we are loved by God. And as we are blessed and as we are loved by God, we find within us the gift of God to share with others, to be a blessing. And that is why we can call a story about that strange place called Ur and Haran and ancient Mesopotamia still good news for you and for me and all the world. Thanks be to God for this good news today. Amen and amen.